Hey everyone, this is Jamie Austin, pastor of Woodlake Church. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Woodlake, head on over to woodlake.church and enjoy this message. David wrote these psalms at different stages of his life, and the word psalms just simply mean songs of praise. A more literal translation means this, songs written for stringed instruments. And so keeping with that, uh, we're, we're going to play a few songs this morning, and, and, and the reason why I've chosen these particular songs is this. One medical journal recently noted that songs that we hear from our past have a particular effect on us, meaning this, they have the ability to, to invoke memories from our past as if it almost takes us back, right? Some of us were raised in different eras, and in fact, I'm going to play just some songs right now to kind of help take you back, some of you that were raised during some of the greatest music ever written in the 70s and 80s, of course. Um, let, in fact, let's try the first one. Go ahead. Yes, the eye of the tiger. Okay. Rocky, come on. Boy, that song plays. I'm ready to run through a brick wall, right? Except I can't because I'm well into my 40s and I'm going to break a hip. I'm still feeling it from Thursday night softball, but we'll get on with it, okay? All right, how about this? This, this, this will go a little bit further back. Go ahead and play this. Okay. Leonard Skinner, Screen Home, Alabama. Okay. During the first service I played this, I saw a husband look at his wife and do this. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> Apparently, he did. Okay. How about this? Here's the last one. I love Yanni just closed her eyes and went, don't stop believing. Okay. All right. That's enough. But, you know, we, we hear songs from our past, and it, and it kind of takes us back. In fact, there's actually some chemical responses in there, if you read the article, that, that just kind of release dopamine and, boy, just good memories. And you say, what does it have to do with us this morning? If we go to one of the most fav, famous psalms that David ever wrote, Psalm 23, the context is literally this. David's an old man. And he's going through a difficult time. And something unique about Psalm 23 is that he's not, he's not asking God for anything. He's not whining, which I love that about the Psalms because you see David go through these spiritual highs and lows. And that's why I love the Psalms because I connect with David, right? There are days that I'm on a spiritual high and there are other days that are on a spiritual low, right? And, and David's just real about this, but something about Psalm 23, David in his old age is just writing a song. He, he's going back and he's not complaining. He's not asking about anything. He's just reflecting on who God is and what God has done. In fact, let me read you the words to this song as David has this spiritually nostalgic moment, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing or I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes or restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Then he says this, 
even though I walk through the darkest valley, or the King James Version says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he goes, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And then I'm going to read something to you that almost seems out of place. I want you to mark it down because this is where we're going we're gonna to hang today, okay? He goes on to say this, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He goes on to say this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love or mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hey, if you're a believer here today, I want to encourage you as difficult as this life is, how, how, how painful it is sometimes to watch the evening news, let me remind you that the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ and said yes to him, you became a citizen of somewhere else. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? How can a believer not get so uptight about what's going on in the world? And it's because we recognize that our, that our final destination is not here. It's the house of the Lord. But David is just simply writing a song. It's taking him back. He's getting nostalgic. He's remembering who the Lord is and what the Lord has done. And, and these songs are really prophetic. They're really descriptive. And he describes things about the Lord. In fact, I'm going to kind of burn through a few of them real quick before we get to that that rod and staff and comfort part. But, but But he says this of the Lord. He says, the Lord is, or Yahweh is my shepherd. He describes God's particular role or office in his life. And I think it's important that we pause and remember that the Lord is our shepherd. The government is not our shepherd. Our spouse is not our shepherd. Our boss is not our shepherd. Our boyfriend or girlfriend, not our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. We said this a few weeks ago. We need to be careful about trying to get from man what we need to get from God. Then he goes on to say this, and he makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still or quiet waters. David, when he wrote that, that's a very thick statement. David himself was a shepherd, spent a lot of hours, a lot of days out tending his father's sheep, and he would have known this, that sheep do not lie down easily. They don't don't rest easily. If there's, if there's fear, they don't lie down. If there's friction, if there's, if there's, if there's something going on in the herd uh, that's not quite right, they, they won't lie down. If they are dealing with pestilence, in fact, one would be maybe flies. Those of you that ever have ever been around livestock, flies are a, a big deal. If there's flies, they, they won't lie down. If there's not ample food, if they can't get what they need, they, they won't lie down. And I love how one commentator put it. It said, this rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with the fear, the friction, the flies, and the famine. What does that mean to us here today? If the Lord is our shepherd, he is taking care of everything we need, and we can rest. Let me tell you, I love love how it says, he makes me lie down. I was reflecting some time ago, several years ago, I was going through a particular, just stressful season. You ever gone through a stressful season? 
where it just, it was hard to rest. It's one of those seasons I would, I would literally, Jen will tell you, I'd lie in bed at night and it was like I had a hundred pound weight on my chest. Just like, it was just, you, you've been that stressed out before. And I remember one day I almost came under conviction like, Lord, like David, Lord, you handled it then. You can handle all this stuff now and you can work, work all this out. It's almost like that weight was lifted and the Lord made me rest. The Lord made me rest. I'm so thankful that the Lord can make us rest. Amen? He goes on to say this. Uh, NIV says he renews my strength. The, the King James Version says that he restores my soul or restoreth my soul. I love that. The original language really describes what happens to our soul when we really stray from him. Have you ever had a damaged soul? Uh, Let me take it a step further. I'm not talking about life was hard, marriage was hard, the job was hard. I'm not talking about just, just a drained soul. I'm talking about a damaged soul as a result of disconnection from the shepherd. (laughs) <laughs> Let's keep it real. Would you agree that the devil gets a lot of credit for things? I, I believe there's sometimes, well, the devil is just doing this. I believe the devil sometimes over in the corner going, honey, that's all you. <laughs> David says this, Lord, when I stray from you, when I'm in sin, and we know we looked at David and Bathsheba and other areas that David messed up, Lord, when I'm away from you, when I make mistakes, when I am in sin, Lord, you can restore my soul. What, what he's saying right there, you can restore me to right relationship. You can restore me to purity. You can restore me to right standing with you. I can't do it on my own. God, it's all you. All you. I quote this often, but the apostle Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy, he reminds him, he said, Timothy, when we are faithless, he will remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. What am I trying to say here today? At our worst, we don't change how God operates. There is still a way back to him, and that's through surrendering to Jesus Christ. I love how one one author said it this way. We contribute nothing to our salvation except the sin that made it necessary. And David said, Lord, when I'm away from you, you can restore me. You want to restore me. How many have ever been restored in this place here today? Raise your hand with your pastor. (laughs) Your pastor will raise two hands and a couple feet. Aren't you thankful that the Lord is willing to restore? Amen. Amen. He guides me, David said. You guide me along right paths or correct paths. Proverbs 12, 28 says this, in the way of the righteous there is life and along that path is immortality. Uh, He says, Lord, I remember you've guided me. When when I wanted to get off the path, you'd put me back on the path. And when I didn't know which way to go, God, you you put me on the right. But God, when I couldn't see where to go, God, you you still guide. Uh, What David was saying there in that moment as a sheep to the shepherd, the sheep don't know and don't need to know where the green pasture and the still waters are. They just need to know where the shepherd's at. Somebody better hear your pastor today because that's revelation. Some of us are trying to figure out how 
how God is going to do X, Y, and Z. Some of us are trying to say, God, I'm, I'm frustrated with you. How is this going to happen? How is that going to happen? Stop. You're not God. He's God. You don't need to know how. You just need to know who. Amen? Amen? Keep your eyes on the shepherd. Trust him. And he says, why? And I love this. For his name's sake. You know what David's saying? Lord, it's because your reputation's on the line, not mine. All the glory is yours. It's all you. Then David says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, or again, the King James Version says this way, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Most of us have lived enough life to wonder if we're going to make it out of some things. David was describing the darkest, deepest, lowest point. He said, Lord, even when I go through that, your proximity to me does not change. Are you hearing me today? Some of us, you may feel as if you're totally alone, as if God has left you. There's a friend, scripture says, that sticks closer than a brother. In my darkest moment, he is still close. Amen? He may be silent, but he's still close. David says, Lord, even though I walk through or go through, aren't you thankful that that deepest, darkest moment is not the destination? I'm going to make it through. Everybody say, I'm going to make it through. Lord, you stay close. Psalm 138, verse 7, David goes on to say this, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes, and with your right hand, you save me. Anytime in Scripture you see the right hand mentioned, it's, it's a reference to strength and honor. Strength and honor. And David says, that, Lord, you, 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 with your right hand, you save me. I was, I was, anybody like get a picture in your mind sometimes? I had a picture in my mind pop up when I read this scripture, and I remember writing in my grandma's 98 Oldsmobile. That's not the year, that's the model. Some of you are saying, I don't remember this vehicle. Just think of a cruise ship. <laughs> P green. And this is a, back in the day when seat belts and car seats were a suggestion. We'd be riding in that cruise ship down the highway and grandma would have to take evasive maneuvers, slam on the brake. And you know what grandma would do with one hand? She would lay on the horn to let everybody know. And with the right hand, wham! How many of you ever got that before? It's the original airbag. Come on, somebody. Grandma saved us from tattooing the dashboard. <laughs> Aren't you thankful that the Lord does that? He stretches out his hand. He upholds us. He protects us. He, he, he is there, and he, and he never leaves, nor will he forsake. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, Nobody is afraid of a shadow, for a shadow cannot stop a man's pathway even for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill. And the shadow of death cannot destroy us. Amen? even in difficult times, where he said, I will fear no evil. 
I will fear no evil. And that's, that's not just talking about satanic attack. That's just talking about trouble. I'm not going to fear trouble. I'm, I'm going to blow you away this week. And I know the only reason I can tell you this is because I'm a pastor and clearly I'm spiritual. Um, <laughs> you will have trouble this week. You don't have to fear it. Because the Lord is your shepherd, as David says. Now, here's where, here's where we're going to sink our teeth into this thing. You ready? And he says this. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Aren't you thankful for the comfort of the Lord? But how does he comfort us? David, and we believe the scripture is the word of God, amen? That David didn't just pull these words out of thin air. He, he says this, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's some debate amongst commentators whether David was referring to one instrument, probably that shepherd's staff that we've all seen in the Christmas plays, you know, the big tall thing with the hook on the end of it, that sort of thing, uh, the wooden candy cane, you know, or if it was two instruments, so either one instrument used two different ways or whether it was, whether it was two different tools of the shepherd. Both would be correct, but most would probably tell you it was that, that shepherd's staff. And he says, what do, you, what do you do with that? It represents what? The presence of God, the guidance of God, the word of God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He said, with those things, the rod and the staff, they, they comfort me. And there are three ways, and I want you to take notes here today. There are three ways that the comfort is brought through what David is describing as the rod and the staff. The first thing, the first way that he comforts us is through direction when speaking of the rod and the staff. Through direction. So, so with that rod and that staff, the shepherd would guide the sheep. And it's important because sheep are stupid. I know that's a strong word, but if you ever looked up sheep on the internet, have you seen those videos of what sheep do? They find ways of getting lost. They find ways of getting stuck, of getting hurt, of messing. They, they, they create ways of doing it. Let's pause there for just a moment. Can anybody identify with a sheep? Or is it just me? But through the rod and the staff, he brings comfort, or he brings direction. I'm sorry. So he brings direction. That's the first thing I want us to get. So, so when those when those sheep would, would get off the path, there were moments that he could reach over and, 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 and kind of guide them back into place. Maybe if a lamb got off into the thicket and was whining and couldn't get out, he could reach in with that, that hook and, and pick them up and put them back on the path. Anybody remember when God picked you up and put you back on the path? Come on, somebody. Maybe with that hook and sheep are stubborn. Anybody stubborn here today? Spouses, look, you look dead ahead, all right? Don't, don't be nudging, okay? But even if a sheep is stubborn, that he can, the shepherd could take that hook, and when that, when that sheep was wanting to go a different direction, could take them and drag them. Anybody ever been drugged by the Lord? Back where we need to be. 
Zechariah in his song concerning the Christ in Luke chapter 1, he says this, that his function was to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. It's amazing how both the Old and the New Testament connect, right? Aren't you thankful for the word of God? Then he goes on to say this, to guide our feet into paths of peace. That's why it's important that we respond to the word of God. You know, the word of God acts like that rod in that staff. When I want to do this, but I read something in the word that's different. We live in a world that wants to do this, and you can fill in all the blanks, but it contradicts what God's word says. At some point in time, we have to submit to the rod and the staff, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the word of God and what it says. And even though I want to go that way, God's word won't let me. He directs me. Augustine said it this way, if you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it is not the gospel you believe, but yourself. Can I just say this? We live in a world that likes to believe in themselves. But ultimately, he comforts me by his rod and his staff. And how do I let him do that? Or he directs me by his rod and his staff. How do I let him do this? I let him make the call. Does that make sense? Uh, Let me say it this way. I was watching a baseball game yesterday. It was... Full count. And that batter was in the batter's box. The pitcher winds up, throws the pitch, and it was, he, he just painted the corner. I mean, it was just right in there, and it was a strike. And I love it when the umpire, I love it when they ring them up so hardcore that it causes that batter to like question them, like doubt. You know what I'm talking about? I love it when umpires, they don't go, strike three, you're out. No. I like when they, ah! you don't even know what they're saying, right? That's how little league umpires should be. Those kids need to learn that at a young age, right? I don't know where that came from, but. But that umpire rung that batter up. Ah! And boy, that batter got man breaks the bat. You ever try to break a bat over your knee? I tried to do that one time thinking I was going to be cool. I almost broke my knee. It didn't break. Whap! And I walked back to the dugout going, <laughs> There's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball. (laughs) Breaks the bat. He's yelling. He's screaming. But here's something about modern baseball today. Uh, If you've watched a baseball game, they actually have a digital strike zone, and they can track that ball, and they can tell if that umpire made the right call or the wrong call. Can I just tell you something? After they showed it, that umpire made the right call. That's why he is, in fact, the umpire. He makes the call. Here's the question, church family. Is God making the calls in your life? Or is it our flesh? Is it our favorite celebrity? Is it who we voted for? How do we fear no evil? How are we comforted? With his rod and his staff. He'll direct me if I let him. Here's the next thing. First thing was direction. How does he come from me again with the rod and the staff? Also protection. David's trying to describe it here. You see, the rod was not only a weapon of, or not only a tool of direction, it was also a tool of 
uh, protection. Commentators would tell you that a skilled shepherd could use that staff to defend the sheep. He could stun or kill attacking predators. I'm so thankful that as a sheep of God, listen to me, folks, he watches out for us with his word. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and active. It's a two-edged sword. Aren't you thankful for that? The apostle Paul calls the word of God the sword of the spirit. As a sheep of God, as a follower of God, I'm so thankful that you and I, we don't have to lay there and take it. Come on, somebody. That he protects us with his word, and that's what the shepherd do. That's one of the functions in his life is to protect us. Uh, some have said that this, uh, if this were a, a, a two-part instrument, that, that it might have been also a, a short club, that, that this club could have been used to, if, if a, uh, an attacking predator would have come in, they, he could have killed it. And I don't know about you, but if I were watching sheep and a pack of wolves comes out of the woods to come get one of my sheep, I'm going to serve them up on a platter. I don't care about the sheep that much. But listen how Jesus describes himself in John chapter 10, verse 11. He says this, I am the what? Good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Verse 13, the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Woodlake family, lean in. Let's be careful that we are not trying to follow Worldly hired hands. We have a shepherd. But we, we want the hired hand of a boyfriend or girlfriend. We want the hired hand of a spouse. We want the hired hand of a boss. We want the hired hand of a celebrity. Folks, they will not lay down their life. But Jesus himself laid down his life for the sheep. Amen? That's protection. With your rod and your staff, you comfort me. So there's direction, there's protection, and everybody say ouch. Say ouch. That rod and the staff not only brings direction and protection, listen to me, it's also for correction. That rod, commentators will tell you, is also an instrument of discipline. That there were times that when the sheep didn't obey and maybe they didn't respond to the shepherd's voice or to the, uh, the shepherd's leading, there were, there were times that maybe that that staff, that rod would have been used to, to, to jab them back into place. Now, I don't know about you. I wish I would respond simply to the voice of the shepherd, but I'm so thankful that he's not afraid to discipline me when he needs to. Do we respond to that? Hebrews chapter 12 says it this way, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. In the original language, the word discipline means to train. 
his word and his conviction, the Holy Spirit, will train me on how I need to live, right? Uh, Parents, that's what we do to our kids, right? We discipline them, right? They're kids. They don't know what they should be doing. That's why they have parents. They're kids. They don't know what they should be doing. That's why you're the parent. Amen? We're disciplined. God's word, he, he disciplines us. And, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, he, he disciplines us. I can remember when I got saved, I used to be really good at sinning in particular areas. And all of a sudden, now I get saved. Now I know what the word of God says. And it goes against what I used to do. And then I would try to go back and do it. And I just couldn't do it anymore. Why? Because now I knew the word of God. Now I had the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And he was disciplining me. Here's the ouch part. Hebrews says he chastens those he's accepted. That word chasten in the original language means to punish. Specifically, to whip or flog. Let me say it in a language that you all understand. Oklahoman, right? To whoop. Or flog. See, at this point, there's a lot of people maybe sitting in this room watching online already. Oh, this is why I don't follow God because my God, my God would never allow pain in my life. My God would never use pain to teach me a lesson. My God, my God, my God. That's right, because you have a God, but it's not Him. I'll speak for myself. There are some lessons in my life I could only learn through chastening, through pain. With your rod and your staff, you comfort me. You'll direct me. You'll protect me. But you'll also correct me in order to bring comfort to me. But here's what happens, and here's what's happening in the world today. And Woodlake family, I'm talking to us here today, okay? Sometimes we kick against the correction of the Lord. We, we kick against the rod and the staff. You know what's interesting? Throughout Scripture, a prophetic uh, uh, de- declaration or picture of a famine was, was, was given when the rod was broken. Famine is on its way. Lack is on its way. Suffering is on its way. Could it be that you and I, throughout seasons of our life, have experienced lack, spiritual famine, physical famine, personal famine, relational famine, emotional famine, because we have, in some area, broken the rod, the staff, the word of the living God? I know it's true for me. How many, of you, how many of you have seen like those paintings of Jesus like in like the old time church fellowship halls? And, and some of them might have Jesus with the long flowing hair. 
and then maybe with carrying a lamb or a sheep on his shoulders. How many of you have seen that before? Charles Swindoll, in his commentary on this particular passage of Scripture, kind of brings in all these other scriptures. In fact, he uses Isaiah where Isaiah says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Anybody ever gone astray before? Talks about, Charles Swindoll talked about one of the practices of the shepherd is this, and it's a practice we don't see in any little children's Christmas programs. Thank the Lord. That if maybe a sheep or a lamb would keep wandering away and keep getting into danger and, 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 and getting in places that, that could ultimately cost us his life, in an effort to preserve the life of the lamb or to preserve the life of the, the sheep, Charles Swindoll pointed out that there were moments when the shepherd would go to that little sheep and he would, he would break its leg. There's the rod that comes into play. And after he would splint it back up, he would put that, put that picture back up if you don't mind, y'all. He would put that sheep on his shoulder and carry it. I want you to hear me here today. Because some of you are here today and you feel absolutely broken. If we were honest, maybe it's because you've ignored the rod and the staff and the comfort that the Lord has bring. But the Lord loves you so much, instead of letting you suffer and die. Uh, let me say it this way. Could it be that the breakup is a necessary breaking? Maybe the loss of a job, maybe the difficult season that you're going through right now, maybe it's, a, it's an intentional breaking moment in your life. And if that's you here today, I want to remind you this represents us. And David is just getting nostalgic. Lord, there were days, maybe it was, maybe it was with Bathsheba, maybe it was when I took the census and I wasn't supposed to, maybe it was some other area of my life. But God, when I was broken, you picked me up and you carried me to the next season. When I couldn't walk on my own, God, you made sure I was going to get there because you carried me because if I were to walk on my own I would have wandered off the path into death scripture says that there's a way that seems right to a man but in the end it leads to death you know what happens when we're on the when we're on the shoulders of the shepherd we're healing we're healing you are here today and you're on the shoulders of the shepherd and you're, you can't walk and you're wounded and you're wondering, can I just tell you something? God's doing some healing in your body today. He's doing some healing in your mind today. He's doing some healing in your emotions today. Listen, you are here today and you say, I'm broken, but oh, he is the healer. We sang about it today. Charles Swindoll talked about, you know what that, that lamb or that sheep would learn in that broken moment? He would learn this. Even when he could walk again, he would stay close to the shepherd then. <laughs> Boy, I remember times in my life, I'm never going back there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Boy, I've been off in the ditch. I've been off in the thicket. I've been, I'm not going back there. That sheep would stay close. 
But here's something that's just super sweet. The sheep would learn the shepherd's voice. Some of us are broken right now, and we're learning for the first time that God, God's been talking to us the whole time. Not only are we going to learn his voice, but we're going to learn to respond to his voice. Amen? Woodlake family, I want you to be encouraged through this nostalgic, stringed instrument song that David wrote. In his old age, he just began to reflect, Lord, you are my shepherd, and your rod and your staff, what are they there for? They are there to direct, protect, correct, but ultimately, you bring me comfort. I'm so thankful that I'm, <laughs> I don't have to operate this way this world operates. Anybody else? I'm going to ask you to simply bow before the Lord. You're, has bowed, eyes closed, and if you're new with us, we do this every week because I just challenge everybody to say, Lord, what did I need to hear? And if you're here today and you'd say, Jamie, I'm not with the shepherd. Maybe you'd be honest and say, I'm not even where I need to be with the Lord. I want to encourage you here today. God loves you, and there is nothing you can do about it. The word says that God loved us so much, he gave his only son, the good shepherd, who laid down his life for his sheep. It ultimately, it says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, Jesus. And if you're here today and you'd say, Jamie, I need to be a child of God. I need to be forgiven of sin. I need to be a part of the family of God. How do I do that? It's real simple. The Apostle Paul wrote it in the book of Romans. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're with us here today, my question is real simple. If you're watching online today, the question is real simple. Do you need to be saved today? And if that's you here today, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. When you do, hold it for just a moment. We're all going to pray. Nobody prays alone here at Lake. But if that's you, you'd say, Jamie, I'm saying yes to the Lord today. I'm going to leave here forgiven and a child of God. Here we go. One, two, three. That's me. Anybody in the house today? If you're watching online, let Pastor Dennis know. Just say yes right there. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. Amen. I want to lead you in this prayer, and I'm going to ask the entire Woodlake family to pray it with me. If you're saying yes to the Lord, we simply call this the prayer of faith around here. Let me lead you in this prayer. Everyone say it, dear Jesus, you are the Son of God. You died for me, for my sin, in my place. Come into my life, forgive me, and make me new. And from this day forward, with your help, I'm all yours. In your name I pray, amen. At Woodlake Church, our passion is to help you connect with God, find your sweet spot in ministry, and grow in your faith. Everyone is welcome at Woodlake. If you've never been to church before in your life, or if you're a lifelong Christian, Woodlake is a place where you can experience real and lasting spiritual growth. Music is upbeat, the messages are straight from God's word, they're very practical, we also have great programs for infants through 12th grade. I mean, we have something for everyone. Come check us out this weekend. I promise you'll be glad you did.